0: Welcome to the Pulling Threads podcast. Today, I have a exciting new interview that I was able to do with Adam Green of No More News. Uh, it was quite challenging. We had quite the spar. It was um, good. He asked some really good questions. It's quite challenging. Um, very insightful questions. He is also well-read on uh, the sources whereas we might come to completely opposite ideas at times we are looking at some of the same source information. Um, so I think that this interview you will find resourceful. Um, and I do enjoy the challenge of, um, quite insightful questions that, um, definitely make you think. And, um, so I hope that my answers to these questions, um, may help some of you who have questions on the same lines. Um, but I did find this to be a fun and enjoyable interview and it was quite insightful. So I hope you find it as well. And I hope you find this um, episode insightful uh, and feel free to, you know, comment and join the discussion in the uh, Facebook group uh, on the blog or on YouTube or anywhere that you podcast. Thank you for uh, tuning in today.
1: It's good to talk with you. I wanted to talk with you for a long time since you first, uh, Your YouTube channel I saw when you first started.
0: All right yeah yeah it started as a uh, I was motivated when I was asked to go and do an interview on somebody else's podcast and then I was like you know I got stuff to say and a bunch of people wanted to do interviews so I was like all right let's do this.
1: So yeah I was watching your channel since it first started and uh, I've been a fan and then I've been reading some of your blogs as well. Uh, The topics you've been focusing on Ebionites, Origins of Christianity, James, Jesus, Paul, your channel is pulling the thread, tracing Jesus beyond Christianity. I noticed with an X too. And (laughs) I've, I watched your journey from messianic Judaism to authentic Judaism. Actually, I saw your other one, which was from Christianity to Judaism. Mm. So what was it that, uh, like in a, to summarize, what was it that made you leave Christianity for Judaism?
0: I mean, it was a process, of course, uh, for sure. Um, lifetime of exploration. Um, you know, I'd say Judaism is a personal, moral, ethical decision for myself that aligns with my my values. Um, you know, personally, I went to a more uh philosophical uh history science based branch of Judaism. I don't know if you know the different branches, but conservative Judaism uh we embrace things like the document hypothesis and we look at even, you know, the you know the the Tanakh, the Torah with a uh, historical critical lens and that informs our decision. So we don't we don't look at the Torah as uh the you know, like the more orthodox inclined would say, it's. I mean, if you're using Christian terms, the, mm. you know, infallible Word of God.
1: You're not taking it literally. It's metaphors and symbolism, right?
0: Um, uh, more that it's a historical document of the people of Israel, and that right. it it holds the traditions and the self thought they had of themselves of the of the time. Now, if you want to look at like any historical text from the time period. You gotta look at it in the lens of the way lens of the way news is covered these days. Because the text that we have that became holy text really was their way of recording, you know, a newspaper. Yeah, you know, they didn't have the idea of a newspaper, but they're recording their self-thought of how they see the world, how they interact with other people. Um, and so if you look at it through the lens of I'm reading a newspaper where as instead of at this point, we've we've moved forward in time where we understand science and history and the things that we can't control we can explain through science at the time when you can understand why i as a good person deals with difficulties and conflict and and things that are outside of my control there must be uh, a higher power causing and influencing these things so these it's like it's it's a blend of you know history but then it's also of course myth making um you know because for us within yeah, you know the you would call it the secular Jewish tradition, or at least the conservative Jewish. Um, you know, we see Moses and Abraham as legendary accounts of what was most likely historical people, but it's legendary accounts. It's not historical factual. There's historical fact mixed in with myth making. Uh, the you know, it, all cultures do this. You go back to Greek and Roman culture. Um, you know, Foundational rock, myths, kind yeah, of like rock, Plato's
1: uh, noble lie.
0: Yeah. You know Romulus, the founder of you know the Roman Empire, um and the myth making that goes around who may have been a historical person, but then they're deified, and there's all this embellishment added to it, whereas there may have actually been a person these stories are based upon just what we have in accepted text may not be hundred percent factual. There's a lot of myth and legend in it. so I mean, I, as but, a person, yeah. I get I was let me circle back to answer your question as a person who has always gravitated towards rational reasoning, sounded things for me, you know, the choice of going to conservative Judaism fit because it fit with my you know value system, my morality, and the way that I look at the world and I like to look at things with a critical lens so I don't want to be in anything where I can't critically look at things so uh, so and you used yeah. to
1: be it's been a while since I watched your testimony video, but you uh-huh. used to be Jehovah Witness, right?
0: So yeah, I mean, my mom Mm -hmm. converted to Jehovah's Witness kind of due to trauma, but early on when I was like four or five years old, Mm -hmm. um, my father was not an adherent. He, you know, his his parents came from a Catholic background, but he wasn't adherent. But my mom kind of forced her way upon us and my father allowed it. So I was raised with a lot of the Jehovah's Witness, um, very cultic mindset. You don't question Mm -hmm. the truth. Of course, they call what they do the truth, but... You know, it's a non-founded claim, you know. Um, so you kind of
1: went from believing that, uh, I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. They're Unitarian. But you went from believing Jesus is the Messiah to believing Jesus is not the Messiah. How, how did that
0: happen? Oh, I yeah, mean, there's a lot of steps in there. But one, textually, the Jehovah's Witnesses base their claims upon the Greek New Testament. Mm-hmm. So going with the Greek New Testament before getting historical critical in it, Really, there's not a support for Unitarianism within the, the Greek New Testament if you look at it from the received text we have. Now, when you get into textual criticism, will uh, you know undermines the whole thing in many ways. But in my studies at the time, as I was trying to understand these ancient texts, um, going from this group says this, but the original text says this, with the text I was looking at, the Trinity made more sense basing my some of my values because my values were more inclined towards the Tanakh at the time anyways. But, um, what
1: about like the prophecy fulfillment of Jesus?
0: Um, like, did you used to
1: think he fulfilled the prophecies of the old Testament and then now you don't anymore?
0: Um, you know, I don't know if I ever, uh, of course I heard that, probably propagated at some point. Like I've seen
1: you had Tovia Singer on, like he's about like, you know, debunking that Jesus fulfilled prophecies. Right. So is that, is like, was Tovia part of your conversion to Judaism?
0: Uh, His teachings definitely, well, I want to say conversion to Judaism, but in the information melee of information I took in, because I was taking in Bart Ehrman, James Tabor, um, you know, Haim Maccabee um, and and yeah. uh, uh, Eisenman. Eisenman, I mean, very influential in the way I think. Uh, and then when it comes to like Jewish thought on these things, yes, Tovia Singer, he was influential, um, but not he didn't play a role in my personal decision to co- convert to Judaism. That was, you know, more a personal morality choice. Was there
1: any? Was there any? Thought of maybe going to Noahidism because I've heard a lot of pro- you know there's proponents people leave Christianity and they become not that don't convert to Judaism but become Noahides and fo- and follow the seven laws of Noah.
0: So to get to where you're going, there's kind of a journey, mm-hmm. and it's a historical critical journey, and it's a textual study to get there. I, I want to answer your one question first: Did mm-hmm. I superimpose Jesus I- as Messiah into the Tanakh? Now, I never really explored it, it you know, and I always had a problem with theological statements. Um, One of my big issues when I did convert to Christianity, was involved in the Assemblies of God, was their theological statement. They tried to cram in and do eyes of Jesus into the, the Tanakh and the New Testament, and they're just hopping around like gazelles trying to find scriptures, you know, on the, the mountaintops of text to say, well, this means this, this means that. And so I never fully bought into the theological statements because I always questioned the legitimacy of like even in the context, um, it doesn't always mean what they say it mean, um. But there but, but was at one a point, moment. At,
1: at one point, you believe Jesus like fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, and then like so now you just you don't think that a, a person ever actually did these things. It, it, you think that like the Gospels is myth, mostly myth.
0: I mean, yes, there's a lot of myth making, mm-hmm. so um there was a period of time though when i was going from christianity and messianic judaism that i i bought the Kool-Aid and they were trying to put jesus in all the festivals and all this kind of random stuff um a bit of it felt like uh, cloth that didn't fit wait um, hold on
1: wait what do you mean putting Jews are trying to put Jesus in festivals. What do you mean by that?
0: Messianic Jews, not, yeah. not Jew Jews. but Michael Brown. I've, Michael I've talked to Brown. Michael Brown a few times. Okay, yes. Yeah. Um, so Messianic Jews, uh, which I would I'd clarify to say they're Christian, Hebraic Christians, but not <laughs> authentic Jews. They're Jews in the sense that Hellenistic Jews were Jews. They were culturally Jewish, but they didn't adhere to the tenets of Judaism. They adhere more to Christianity. Um, but People who claimed to be Jews were saying, you know, Jesus fulfills these things, which I always found odd because I I had read the Tanakh a few times as a child and honestly didn't see the connection. I didn't feel a full connection. But, you know, at the time, I kind of just bought into the the Kool-Aid of the soup Mm -hmm. that was going on, Um, you know. Not even with
1: Isaiah 53, because like the New Testament quotes Isaiah 53 like verbatim.
0: I mean, it's from the Greek Septuagint, and uh-huh. it seems, one, it's, it's written to the Jewish people, not to an individual. It's, you know, if you read... Yeah. Well, that's the, the original before, context,
1: but if yeah. you look at what Paul and the Christianity says, they don't care about the original context.
0: Well, and that's it's
1: like everything. All of the the sacred scriptures are like a mystery, where like they can you know connect the right verses and like reveal hidden secrets from God and stuff. Like that's my understanding of what they were doing. I mean that that that's what the New Testament looks like.
0: Yes, and and to speak to that, really, though so the ideas of Merkaba mysticism, the blending with Platonic thought, came from Hellenistic Judaism that goes back to the Maccabean period which goes back to when Ptolemy uh, commissioned the you know, Greek Septuagint. Uh, and so, you know, uh, you know kind of, I don't know if we're going to get into the, this idea, but the New Testament is really a Roman psyop. It's a, it's a psychological op- operation to uh, overtake and subdue a people and then convince them to follow the Roman way. They would co-opt religions throughout you know, the Middle East, uh, Mithraism, and they would try to blend them with their own Roman ideas. So one of the ways you conquer a culture is you take their text and you rewrite it, but you give it your flavor, and then you tell them that your way is the only way. So when they rewrote the Greek Septuagint, they, there's changes in the Greek Septuagint from the original Hebrew, uh, it influenced these subtle changes. Now, the texts that form a basis of the Christian myth come from the Apocrypha, the texts that aren't accepted in the, the normative Judaism where the, the Chumash, the first five books are the foundation, and then, you know, you have the prophets and, and the, uh, the Ketuvim, the writings, um, the, you know, those were not as central. Now the apocrypha. This includes Tobit and Jubilees and the Enochian literature and Wisdom tri- of Solomon. Wisdom of Solomon and a lot of that is where the and mysticism. Songs of Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. So and a lot of that is found in the Greek Septuagint, mm-hmm. and it was it was promoted by Hellenistic Jews, um, who did not adhere to Torah Judaism. They weren't observant. They 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 blended more with Roman culture. They wanted to go to the bathhouses. Uh, they wanted to go to the amphitheaters and coliseums. They didn't. They weren't so Torah. They holy. were the
1: Alexandrian Jews like Philo, who who was like reading the Torah mystically and trying to kind of blend it with Hellenistic thought. Yes. And have you have you heard the idea that the uh, the Nazarenes are the predecessors to the Ebionites and that they split at one point and had some association with Alexandria? And the Talmud says that there was a temple in Alexandria, a huge diaspora there.
0: So I would invert that. I would say the Ebionites are the forerunners, and the Nazarenes are an offshoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are a, a few authors that hold that idea. Mm-hmm. Now I've heard it both ways too. There is debate about that. Um, I so the Nazarenes went more to the Hellenistic idea when they embraced Pauline the Pauline literature and the Platonic philosophical traditions, and they became more Gnostic. Mm-hmm. And really the the Pauline literature, the Gnosticism, the Merkaba mysticism um, led them on a path, you know, of course, because, you know, they weren't temple-centric. Um, they were anti-temple yes. and
1: anti-temple sacrifices.
0: Yes. And so that was... I say for me, when I'm studying the historical literature, the parting of ways between the Nazarenes and Ebionites who remained in synagogues, which we have records up to the eighth century, and then the Nazarenes, they became the foundation of Christianity. It's why to this day, uh, within Talmudic literature, they refer to Christians as Nazarenes because in um, essentially Nazarenes went the way of Hellenistic Judaism, which was bl- and it, the reason it played so well is because, when you play into the you know, the mysticism that came from Egypt, right? Uh, Ptolemy's in Egypt, um, yes, there was a contra temple in Egypt, um, and they, they they blended Egyptian ideas, um, definitely with the the mysticism. It was it was intriguing. Here's the thing that was intriguing to the Romans, um, because if you look at the Pantheon, the gods had immorality, sex, backstabbing. There wasn't a moral god who gave a moral ethical value system and so philosophers uh, within the platonic tradition started going towards henotheism the idea of one god with an ethical system and there was influences from some of those who had read the uh, greek septuagint so hellenism was kind of a blending of those ideas um, that started with the greek septuagint and you know the roman conquest and what really i feel like wasn't it the Greek Septuagint was, and a method to assimilate and start to indoctrinate um, Jews away from a temple-centric cult. And here's what made it, you know, the the um, dying and rising gods, the mysticism, uh, you know, the watchers, and like even in the Enochian literature, where you're looking for this higher power. This is where the we when we come to Christianity, it's easier to hypothesize Jesus himself, and. Um, Turn him into a dying and rising God. Is it the Hellenism already laid the foundation for that? Um, and I don't know if I'm getting too far off course here, but um, well, yeah, let me because I got a
1: lot of questions. Um, yeah, so you have an article here about Paul, uh, as a mystic, right? There's the verse he's caught up into the third heaven, into paradise, and uh, I've got a, a really good book here, Kabbalah mm-hmm. by Gershom Sholem. He talks about yeah. how the, es- the Essenes. Basically, branched out of them is kind of like what looks like Christianity and what looks like um, uh, Merkava mysticism, and then later into Kabbalah, right, so like mystical, and then you look at Daniel Boyer in the Talmudic uh, scholar from Berkeley, he talks about how they were Reading scripture, like trying to find yeah. divine mysteries midrashically, like we see this in the Dead Sea scrolls. They're connecting all these different different messianic motifs, like in the um Melchizedek scroll. It's it's saying, like, this is the divine, you know, judgment, redeemer, Melchizedek, the high priest. And then they're citing like Psalms and Isaiah and uh Daniel to like, you know, describe but kind of write a story about what they thought the redemption would look like. So I think. Paul was a mystic, and I think he, I mean, he clearly says, like, he never knew Jesus, right? He saw him in the scriptures from Revelations when he's caught up into paradise, and I think that also James and Peter and the first Christians before him were also seeing Jesus mystically in the scriptures, and... Okay. Hold on. Let me well, let's just add Go one ahead. more Go caveat to that. Finish your thought. And finish your thought. And one of the reasons is because Epiphanius talks about the Ebionites, and he says that you know James was very devout, right? Mm-hmm. He was like going in the uh, in the temple. He he's uh, ascetics, right? He he wasn't eating meat, ba- doing the ritual bathing, all these things. He was very devout, and he was the leader of the first Christian sect. But Epiphanius talks about a book called the Ascents of James. So I just see Paul as like ascension, mystical, midrashic uh, story. I see he says, have I not have I not also seen the Lord like he saw him the Mm -hmm. same way they did. Paul says, "Um, I learned nothing from them, nothing more of the gospel from them. He doesn't even really treat them as if they're they really knew Jesus. So also uh, the ascent of James and then the ascension of Isaiah And then you look at Hebrews, it's like Jesus ascending in the heavens. He's the heavenly high priest, no mention of like an earthly figure at all. So I I am a mythicist, and I think that Paul was a mystic, and they were all kind of mystical related to the Essenes. Um, So what do you think of that?
0: Well, Mm -hmm. so I, I think you're conflating two different branches of mysticism into one. Um, so the Enochian Judaism or Hellenistic Judaism that came through um, the Hellenistic culture, I think sometimes gets conflated with Essene mysticism. And well, I think the, well, Enoch, two different well, branches. On. Enoch was too.
1: found at Qumran, though all everything but the similitudes was found there.
0: So I want to make a, a definition between the two. Okay. Um, they pull from some of the same texts, but. They are different in application and practice. Um, So Enochian Judaism and Essene Judaism, and Enochian Judaism is a modern term. So, you know, you could throw the term out just like Essene is like our best guess of what they called themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me define the two branches of mysticism that pulled Mm -hmm. from the same text, but came to different conclusions. The Hellenistic, what I'll call Enochian Judaism, was not a temple cult that didn't, they weren't focused on kashrut and festivals. They blended with secular culture and they liked the myths that, you know, played very well within the uh, philosophical elite in Roman culture that, you know, that they liked the groundedness of henotheism and the ethics of Torah, but at the same time, the Greek culture still believed in a pantheon. Now, when we move into the Essene uh, mysticism, I would say that Paul in the New Testament is contra-Essene and it is more Enochian Judaism than it is Essene. And there's theres two branches of mysticism there. Um, one, the purity rituals of the Essenes, the the ritual purity, you know, they didn't believe the temple was pure, but if there was a pure temple, they'd worship there. Um, They didn't believe in practicing in the temple in Jerusalem because that was corrupt. They felt the Sadducees were corrupt, but they believed in temple sacrifices, but they wouldn't participate because the temple was corrupt. And so they would ritually purify themselves. They didn't, you know, eat meat and they uh, wouldn't defecate on the Shabbat and they observed Shabbat in the festivals. Whereas Enochian Judaism participated in secular culture and myth in a way that, so the two different branches Um, And and I think it also can be illustrated in the way that the Ebionites stayed more within Jewish tradition and the Nazarenes went more with the Roman tradition. I think that that there needs to be a distinction between the two types of mysticism to understand the distinction that one led it to the parting of ways um, and that one was more secular and the ascetic of James is different than that of Paul. Now, Paul did say he he spent three years in the wilderness, just like Josephus said he spent three years in the wilderness with Essenes and studying that way of life. But I think a majority of the New Testament written, at least the Pauline liter- literature and the stuff written by him, can be seen as contra-Essene um, and embracing fully the Hellenism of Platonic thought. And now... Essenes and the Hellenistic Judaism were not mainstream Torah-temple-centric Judaism, because the Essenes opted out, and Christianity became something separate. So, you know, when you talk Preparing about...
1: Preparing the way in the wilderness.
0: Yeah, when you, yes. And when you talk about the Pharisees, they became what's rabbinic Judaism. So mm-hmm. we're talking of three different branches of Judaism. Essenes disappeared because of their ascetic way of life. Um, and we just have echoes of their writings, and then we, the, the findings at Qumran, Um, now Pauline really is the Hellenistic Judaism that was part of the early Roman psyop when they translated the Greek Septuagint and sought to influence how
1: could it be a Roman psyop when there was the Greeks that translated it?
0: Well, yes, you right? Okay, so
1: and and just by the way, I totally disagree with what I I mean. I think Paul was a he thought he was chosen in the womb. He mm. was scouring the books. He was convinced in this yes. cosmic suffering Messiah figure. And he thought he was chosen, chosen in the womb to be the nation to uh, the, the prophet to the nations. So the apostle to the Gentiles. And I feel like it says in Acts how James and the Jerusalem church told him like, yes, we agree. Go to the Gentiles, get them to follow these laws, you know, bring them to the God of Israel. I I, I see I see Paul and Christianity fulfilling all the prophecies of the Old Testament where it's about like uh, the Moshiach going to the nations. Like in Isaiah, it says they will put, you know, he will be the light to the nations. They will put the, their hope in him. He will raise a banner to the nations. You know, like you could see the Midrash from Paul actually, where he cites the verses that, that the Jews are supposed to reject this Messiah and then he, the Gentiles are supposed to go to him. Like I see it as a religion for the gentiles it's so anti-jewish and pro-roman it's to appeal to the romans so that
0: i mean that makes my point right there Hmm. but i'm gonna go back now thank you for catching my uh greek and roman yes greco-roman should have been the term i used the greco-roman it started with the greeks with ptolemy um and it continued with the roman occupation so thank you for catching my my foible on that But the Greek Septuagint was, um, you know, commissioned by Ptolemy, and there there were changes to the text, and there's differences between the Greek and the Hebrew, and it's why, you know, Jews to this day read in Hebrew, because to translate is to lie, because you can influence people through translation. Um, And so there was an intentional change to the text, and it does breed into Hellenistic Judaism. Fast forward, you know, because that's the period of the Maccabees to the the first century— now the co-opting i did paul exist i mean does the paul of the new testament exist like the question who is paul um i think paul is an that we have of the new testament is amalgamation of maybe simon magus um
1: the spouter it, of lies from the dead sea scrolls is what eisenman thinks
0: yes so uh, he's an amalgamation of things the li- the literature found by Marcion, uh, most likely written or at minimum redacted by Marcion, which became further redacted when the Proto-Orthodox co-opted and then wanted to change it because they didn't like Marcion's ideas, which became the founding for the writing of the New Testament, which became the New Testament. Um, But who was Paul? You know, I mean, there are. It's possible that some of his story was embellished from the story of Josephus because they both spent three years in the wilderness and share the same philosophical underpinnings. So, I mean, the New Testament—it's hard to take any part of it part and parcel because you have so many layers of redaction. Um, And and this is why when I'm talking about like Greco-Roman psyop, that uh, it was over time that they influenced the the translation and the transmission of the text to their purpose and end and it was a process and it was the process of Hellenization which is the secularization of the culture they're trying to take over. Now the great thing about it is because it became popular. The, The ideas of henotheism and ethics, it started spreading to other people and they saw the power of it to influence others. There's so many layers that many like centuries that they were doing this redaction by the fourth to the eighth century, it became they became very effective using it and they, they changed it for their own purposes. Now, does that mean there wasn't an original like Paul that had some ideas or Jesus? They definitely, had, if they were, they were different than what's passed in the New Testament that we have. And so uncovering and understanding who Paul was, I would put Paul definitely more within the Hellenistic tradition. And the a lot of the... The myth, I would say, was later redaction, putting into the text to try to put it in a picture that made more sense. But the blending of the Messiah myth with apothe the apotheosis, the turning uh, a, a, you know a dead Caesar into God, uh, was really the foundation of the creation of the the Jesus of the New Testament, which I don't believe he lived. But there was probably a Jesus who died, but he didn't fulfill prophecy. And from what I understand from reading the text, that the, there is a group of early Ebionites that thought he was a prophet calling for the end of temple sacrifice, who may Paul. have wanted to be... Paul, no, right. no, Jesus. Oh. Jesus was a prophet calling for the end of temple sacrifice, and he wanted to be king, and that is what got him cut off. There now that's who I see the historical Jesus as. And, now, and then you
1: think his followers like started searching the scriptures to try to justify that the Messiah was supposed to suffer? So after the fact.
0: We have two major events that make it hard to piece that together. One is the 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 battle at Masada that led to the you know the battle that's leading to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, where they came in and you know, the Romans took over and they burned the temple destroyed the the records we would have we don't have text from that period because you know they destroyed everything and then you know or later again, it
1: later uh, popped up in the in the Talmud likely too
0: well the yeah, stories would have been passed down mm-hmm. but um the a lot of well there's going to be oral traditions that are passed down yes but the text that would have been then is is would have been destroyed and again Um, the Bar Kokhba revolt, two instances where they went in and took over and would have destroyed buildings, structures, and history. Um, So we don't have the, the important documents from that period. Now, luckily, we do have documents that survived in Qumran of the Essenes, but they weren't central to Jerusalem. They were an ascetic group outside. So what we don't have a really good picture of And this is what we have to piece together is what happened before 70 and what happened before 133. Now we have oral traditions within the Talmud and we have the church father's sayings. But again, just like the story of Jesus, these are decades and centuries after the original story. So we don't have a perfect picture, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so piecing it together becomes challenging. And then Mm -hmm. a lot of it's polemical so you can't take it at face value how do you find the intrinsic historical value with the polemic
1: mm-hmm. it's challenging so um you, you said you've also read uh jewish gospels by daniel Boyerin.
0: yeah it's been a while but yeah
1: and and he, he talks about how christianity is like a perfect midrash he says it's a midrash on daniel seven and nine the son of man and and there's themes that connect that to isaiah 53 And he says that basically it's just as likely that there were um, Jews of antiquity that were reading the scriptures, like trying to find mysteries and connect these different verses for like deeper understandings of their redemption and the Messiah. And so I don't think that it's necessary that there was a a charismatic messianic, uh, a charismatic preacher apocalyptic preacher jesus to have to be crucified for them to go search the scriptures i feel like they were searching the scriptures beforehand that was like the mystical tradition of midrash that we see in the dead sea scrolls
0: uh the pesharim i mean the the midrashic the allegorical i mean Mm
1: And the connecting of different verses is the key for like greater understanding. And then also mixing that with like rewriting of stories. Like you would agree, like the prophecies of Jesus, like writing in, I mean, when you read the new Testament, it says, and then this, so the scripture could be fulfilled and then to fulfill. So the prophet that said this, like the whole thing is following a narrative of like fulfilling the prophecies.
0: But how much of that was written after the fact and wasn't historical fact? I mean, the problem is a lot of that was written in after the fact, after the destruction of the temple, after all this stuff. It's rewriting of history. It's not writing history. That's where we get into the textual criticism and understanding that, mm-hmm. you know, century well, decades and centuries later, depending on which part of the New Testament you're talking mm-hmm. about, was written by people who had a narrative they wanted to tell. Um, so do you I, think
1: Paul was Paul was before the destruction of the temple, though, right?
0: uh the the literature we have of paul is second century was there a paul that lived before the 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 second temple um
1: it seems like there's something the gospels were based on like they were aware of paul
0: um i would even go into uh the pseudo clementine or the clementine literature and say that whether it was simon magus or paul there was a character Mm -hmm. um but the New Testament writings of Paul are, we don't have them till the second century. Right. So was there a Paul in the first century? If he existed, he's not mm. the one of the New Testament. Um, he wasn't
1: aware. Well, it, from Paul's authentic letters, you could tell he wasn't aware of the temple's destruction. Um. But the point I'm getting at is he says, like he knows of Jesus, his gospel of Jesus is from the scriptures, right? He says at one point, even like all he knew was that, that, Christ was crucified and then resurrected after three days. What scriptures? Like he doesn't cite his his scriptures that this is fulfilling. Mm-hmm. But Daniel Boyeran and others think that he's talking about uh, Daniel seven and nine that the Messiah is cut off and then connecting that to Isaiah fifty three and then that's like the story in Mark where Jesus is telling Peter like you know the Son of Man has to be rejected and suffer and die and re- and resurrect and he goes no don't do that and he goes get behind me Satan this is like it's like this midrashic idea, this like mystical idea of connecting these two verses, uh, it was it was new and there was like division over it. And that became the conflict. Do we accept this original like cosmic celestial high priest uh, sacrifice, suffering servant or uh the political military Moshiach ben David? And that was like the whole uh, Jesus Barabbas story was them choosing the, you know, the rebel the military person, instead of the suffering Messiah. That's my understanding of it.
0: So I would connect the actual early followers of Jesus to the zealot movement. And the reason that we lost a lot is because they, a majority of them were cut off before 70 AD uh, because they were zealots, and I would place them as involved with that revolt. Um, It's also why... The remaining followers didn't follow when Bar Kokka revolted um, and they were made fun of the The Nazarene and Ebionites who did not participate in the Bar revolt were shunned because I think they had seen a failure before and they had already kind of given up on that idea of uh, fighting for Jew- Jewish national identity in their own land in Israel and um, whatever they would have called it at that time um but i the the peshrim the midrashim that that it it existed but what was used to create the new testament um i see as being done in rome through a secular influence um to influence an agenda towards hellenism um and i want it place a majority of what comes into the New Testament, and part and parcel becomes very central to the fourth century and beyond as original and germane. There may have been echoes of some of it used, but I would go back to what we have of the earliest text when it comes to, and you can see this in some of the writings of Bart Ehrman and others, that our earliest writings don't have a record of resurrection, ascension, virgin birth, uh, and even uh, some of the elements yeah. of deification are not there. And that is later redaction. I don't see that as yeah. original to the early the, message.
1: I feel like the original layers that we have, like Paul, Hebrews, First and Second Peter, James, it's like it's more so describing like a a heavenly figure like that's what we see we don't have the biographical details of Jesus like a preacher on earth in in Paul and the, the James is the brother of Jesus isn't it really weird that the epistle of James in the Bible doesn't introduce himself as Jesus or give any indication that he's the brother of Jesus and then even Jude Jude introduces his his uh letter as the brother of james but then you're going to mention you're the brother of james but not the brother of jesus mm-hmm. it, it just makes me think that you know i'm under the i have the understanding that when paul first mentioned james as the brother of jesus he's just referring to him as a, a christian brother like all all believers are brothers and sisters in christ
0: but that's kind of your modern understanding superimposing back then on it um I don't know. Um, no,
1: Paul uses brothers and sisters all the time. In well, no, context. I know, but
0: mm-hmm. but the, yeah, well, mm-hmm. we understand things from what we have, you know, our life experience to like how we've seen Christianity and, and modern culture. Now, I see James and Jude as Catholicized documents that they are, mm-hmm. what we have is not the original Well, didn't text. they know
1: the story, though? If they had Paul's letters, they should have known that that was the brother of the Lord
0: who are you referring the to? the catholics
1: the proto-orthodox catholics. christians um it seems like that tradition of james being the brother didn't start until later otherwise why would it not be in there
0: well we have earlier uh documents that if you look in the um the apostolic constitutions and in some of the other literature i mean the tradition kind of goes back further um now, but what I was saying is that, like, the books of James and Jude are documents that we have the Catholic, Catholic version of, the, the redacted version, not the original. If you look at the secret epistle of James, or what's called the epistle of Peter to James and his reception, you're going to see a different type of James than, you're not going to see one that, it's not the same as the epistle of James that's in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um it, and so the reason that those documents were chosen and put in the New Testament is because they supported their narrative, but I think they were redactions. And of course, like I, it, there's just evidence that it wasn't written. There are, if you look at some of the pseudo Clementine literature, the, the the works in the Apostolic Fathers and stuff like that, you're going to see a different James than is in the New Testament. Now, one, it might be a different person, but... um. Peter and James are played heavily in this and they are in conflict with their enemy and the conflict between the two communities, which this plays out between the Ebionites Knights and Nazarenes. So hmm. the, the, you know, I, is there a historical Paul? Who exactly is he? Simon Magus, Paul, Simon, who becomes Paul, the deceiver, you know, within the, the Talmudic tradition, if we get to Talmud Yeshu, you know, i was just going
1: to bring that up. I've been waiting to bring that up with you because I saw you mentioned that. I did a whole video of uh, uh, rabbis from YouTube talking about total yeshu. I'm more on, I think that's closer to the truth. That and then what we see some in the Bible with a little bit of like, uh, you know, the understanding of the ascent of James, the the proto-James. Proto I, I think w- when I look at all the info, total yeshu basically says that Peter and then some I think Paul is even included, like separated Christianity as like a heretical threat to Judaism and wanted to move it away and almost make it, it's almost like they Hellenized it or made it more pagan to like keep Jews away from it. And and that became like the uh the uh spouter of lies. The Dead Sea Scrolls talks about Belial, how he has cast a net to like catch the I see Christianity as like an inversion of Judaism, right? You agree with that, Paul? Basically, inverted a lot of the law yes. and stuff. So yeah. Christians are now consuming blood, not circumcising, not keeping kosher—all of these things that the Jews are supposed to do. So it kind of makes them. I, I see it hundred percent. Maybe at first it started as just like a cosmic, uh, spiritual victory savior, mm-hmm. but then I think it quickly evolved into a religion that was for the Gentiles. I don't see this as because it didn't even work. It, it like the the purpose of the Messiah in Second Second Temple Judaism was basically to theologically conquer the nations, you know, the pagan idol-worshipping nations. That's what they wanted. But they didn't do that with a military messiah. They They did it with the suffering messiah that was rejected according to the scriptures and then goes to the Gentiles. And then that's the ultimate goal of Judaism is have the nations worship the God of Israel. So in, in Maimonides says both Islam and Christianity are helping bring uh wean the world off paganism and bring the world to the God of Israel.
0: So I think that that is a bit of a misunderstanding and a little bit of a reach. Um, so l- defining terms to kind of clarify what I mean. All right. Mm-hmm. So um, the main goal of um, the zealots would have been national identity, national sovereignty, Mm -hmm. um, and independence for Jewish people. Now, when it says the nations will come to learn of, you know, the God of Torah, it's because they did such a great job uh, and identity. Now, it wasn't in the essence of global conquest to control all nations. But that they would want to learn about this God that gave the Jews their national identity. That is more what the thought was, lest they would control the rest of the world. Now, I'm going to back that up in a little bit with some things. But I I want to say there have always been essentially three branches of Judaism. There's been a secular nature, the Hellenization. There have been the more conservative, the Jews who want to, you know, follow Torah, but, you know, be decent people and then there's the extreme which at the time would have been the essenes nowadays you have the ultra orthodox the hasidic jews Um, and throughout history there's always been and the outliers are always the extremes of the secularization and the extreme of uh, the zealots Um, and the essenes and i would say a lot of the early jesus movement were of the zealot branch and paul was definitely an adherent of the hellenistic branch now Jews, historically, and continue to be even after all that, unconcerned with converting Gentiles, and they believe the righteous of all people have a place in the world to come. Um, so the I the Messiah to establish national identity for Israel was to establish Israel's independence, and then the idea that the Jews are not Jews, the non-Jews would come to Israel to learn of the Messiah was in no way an indication that they wanted that to control other nations, but that people would want to learn about this Messiah that gave them their independence, mm. is more what the idea was. Um, now, the ideas that come to us through Christianity, through gro- government control and suppression, come from Roman Catholicism, and there's a history of Rome using... Um, the ideas that they blended, and it wasn't just Christianity, Catholic means universal. It, it was Mithraism, Platonianism, Pythagoreanism, Roman Catholicism. It it was co-opting other cultures, but so that you could brainwash, indoctrinate, and control them. There was there there are echoes of this midrashic Jewish tradition, there are echoes of these other things, but it's not true. To the Enochian Judaism, what they took and became part of Christianity is not true to what was Enochian Judaism isn't true to what was Essene Judaism and what became Christianity and was used to take over the Western world was an aberrant version of the Hellenistic Judaism that was, in essence, mystical. Um, So that but the core value system of the Jewish people was national identity, national sovereignty. Now, the idea that Messiah would establish that and they would worship the God of Israel in no way would supplant the national identity of other nations or that that would lead to them controlling or influencing other nations. And that's a misunderstanding of what that, you know, that they would learn of Messiah. Like, well, What I did... said is
1: that they're going to believe in the Messiah, the world. that's That's the goal hmm. is for the nations to... Uh, recognize the one true God of Israel at, through his Messiah. That's like, you go look at all the old Testament scriptures. That's, that's what the role, you know, clear as day described.
0: I mean, the but primary to go goal to the
1: nations, the, the light, the servant, the light into the nations, they will put their hope in him.
0: I mean, the primary goal would be national identity, national sovereignty. And um, out of that, you know the people would what, what about
1: daniel 9 uh the son of man from daniel shoot where is it daniel 7 727 20, mm-hmm. then the sovereignty power and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the most oh, i'm sorry daniel 7 13 to 14 is what i meant the son of man out coming out of the clouds of heaven he was given authority glory and sovereign power all nations and peoples of every language Worship him. Like that's what I'm talking about right there. Something so, like that. All of the so, world worshiping him. Daniel 7 14.
0: So the focus of Judaism has been the Torah, the first five books. Mm-hmm. The uh Nevaim and the ketuvim is not the core of Judaism. Um, and there's many interpretations of what that may be, but that's not the core focus of Judaism. Uh the, the, Judaism the prophet
1: is... Daniel, and isn't that in Tanakh, right? That that's that's Judaism.
0: Doesn't Judaism
1: Judaism today acknowledge Daniel?
0: Okay, it's not the Humash, the first five books. It is in the Tanakh, but the focus of Judaism is the first five books.
1: Hold on, what is the word for the first five books? How come you don't call it Torah? You say Humash instead of Torah?
0: That just means five, you know? So the Torah or uh, Tanakh or in uh, Christian circles, Pentateuch. Mm -hmm. um, It's the first five books. So the Humash is the first five books. Mm -hmm. The first five books are the core of what Judaism is. The writings are a bit of history and the prophetic is definitely, it's, it's not the core focus of Judaism is the first five books. Um, there is a lot of interpretation. There's a lot of, um, a lot like the the focus hasn't and is not on books like Daniel. Is it in the Tanakh? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the son of man character focus. is
1: both in enoch and in the new testament as well
0: and that's apocryphal literature that wasn't you know accepted within the, the rabbinical tradition it,
1: it so. was it was it was found in uh qumran though and and jude cites uh enoch as well
0: again it it fell outside of like the mainstream of judaism you have Mm-hmm. You know, outlying groups, like like uh, we're talking about the Eno- Enochian Judaism and the Essenes. Those are mm-hmm. outliers. They are not the large core. They're two mm-hmm. groups on the outside, the fringes. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, there are those traditions. Who, who would be but,
1: the hardcore then? The Pharisees, uh, Shem- uh, Hillel and Shammai, and then the Sadducees? That's mainstream?
0: The, the Sadducees would have been within the Hellenistic tradition. But the Pharisees, Hillel and Shammai, would be within mis- mainstream, which became rabbinic Judaism, which mm-hmm. eschews all of those ideas. Um, but did
1: adopt a lot of Essene ideas that later uh, came into Kabbalah.
0: That, well, so Kabbalah isn't rabbinic Judaism, but it's an offshoot of. Um, so, yes, it came from the tradition, but then mm-hmm. they they pull from that mystical tradition say, you know, like Essene influence and, and stuff like that. Now, mm-hmm. that's mysticism. Still, yeah, but that's still not the mm-hmm. mainstream large core. Again, that's external. It's well, not don't, external, but it's don't different. you think it's like kind of Outliers.
1: like it's, it's reasonable to think like Paul was describing a mystical experience. It, he's caught up into the third heaven. He's talking about revelations and and visions and seeing Jesus in scripture. So if that's why he, that's his argument, right? You know, I learned it from no man. And mm-hmm. so if that's what gives him authority, like, don't you think like that's just what the earlier Christians could have been doing, uh, could have been doing too? And that this uh, this particular Jesus logo, suffering Messiah, son of man figure was first seen in the scriptures by like James and Peter and, and John and, and some like Essene, maybe uh, Ebionite sect. I mean like, I wanted I, I, what I wanted to ask you because you know a lot about this what are the strongest arguments that Jesus was the brother of James like early early people talking about Ebonites I know they say that they didn't believe that he was uh or they believed he was born of Joseph right that's what they would say but did did they conclude that just because they didn't have uh Immaculate Conception or something I don't know what, what do you think?
0: So the secret infancy gospel uh, talks about. Um, I mean, there, there's not just out in the Kel, uh, Kelsis and um, Talmudic traditions. There's more than that that you know points to Joseph being the father of Jesus, um, or um, potentially Pantera, a Roman soldier, which may have been a Jew, a Jewish. A uh, person serving a- in the Roman army, which Pantera was a common name in the Talmud, used for uh, people who served in the Roman army. Do um,
1: you think which... that, that myth is what led to the Armulus story?
0: Oh, the Armulus story? Which one?
1: Armulus, they say, is uh, there's like a statue of him. He's born. It's, it's mimicked off of uh, Romulus. And I think it has something about uh, a Roman soldier father as well.
0: I'm not familiar where they pulled that from, but um I mean, but the 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 early tradition of things outside of the New Testament, you know, there are echoes even early uh texts of the New Testament that re- referred to um the father of Jesus uh being Joseph. Um uh, you know, later on they they removed it and focused on the you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um I mean he had an earthly father. I mean, he wasn't God or divine. He wasn't savior of mankind. So, I mean, how else do you explain a human that was born? He had a father. There's no immaculate conception. Um,
1: So let me ask you something. If it was, Paul didn't create Christianity, so he didn't come up with the PSYOP. It was, it was James and the, the Christian sects before him, right? That they, they must have been the real followers of Jesus. They were the ones that after he died, they were coping. They searched the scriptures to try to prove like midrashically, oh, look at all the pro- messianic proof here. The Messiah is meant to suffer. And then he came in and really his only big or his biggest innovation that we know of is he just took it, expanded it to the Gentiles.
0: Definitely not um james and them were not involved with it at all um all of that oh really it, and it wasn't paul uh i mean paul's literature let's go to the tradition we have first
1: so you're saying paul that they didn't think that his suffering was any atonement or anything that was all 100 percent. they did paul. not know mm-hmm.
0: no they didn't there is evidence and there are authors who believe this and, and have written this that uh no the early Ebionites did not believe he was savior didn't believe he was raised from the dead. Um, and so that tradition was added later. Now, I don't believe Paul, Paul, there's some early inclinations of it, but it was developed over time. So Paul, Paul's ri- early writings lightly played it. And then over time, it was embellished. Um, no, I see within James and Peter, Um, Torah observant Jews who believed in conversion to Judaism kept kosher and Mm -hmm. uh, observed the festivals. And now I want to talk about something that you brought up earlier The the Jew. okay. so Judaism has always been about the study of text and the argument of text. And the main focus has been the Humash, which is what the Talmud is. You know, the the recitation of the oral commentary about the, the first five books is the main focus. And so when we're talking about all this stuff that's outside of the, the first five books, we're talking about the prophetic literature. We're talking about the Apocrypha. We are talking about things that are outside of. Now, w- when you look at the epistle of Peter to James, they talk about the, the tradition transmitted from Moses, the initiation and the study of the sacred text. And they followed the tradition of studying those first five books and debating those first five books, because that is what the core of Jewish tradition was for rabbinic Jews and for what I see in the early Ebionites now the midrashic stuff that you're talking about the stuff that influences Paul but
1: so you're Paul, saying that the original Christians only followed the Torah
0: I want to call them Christians though I mean okay. that's a, oh, that's the original
1: skip. Jewish Christians the the original Jewish
0: followers of Jesus and James and I don't know if Jesus was he was a prophet. Were they actually who was the off.
1: followers of Jesus, or, or was James the guy? Because James seems like he had of James. it going on himself.
0: They were more followers of James. Mm. But here's the thing. The winners write history. And so a lot of their documents at 70 and 133 are destroyed. And then the focus for those who had the power to censor and distribute was in Rome. Now, Paul... I would say had a light in, you know, there was Merkaba mysticism, there was Hellenism, Platonianism in his writings. And then you have so the text that I think Marcion redacted, I, you know, I I'm inclined between written and redacted, but I think there was probably a Simon, he's basing it off of Simon Magus or something. There's these epistles, these writings. And when he found them, he's known to have redacted what he had. He, he has his redacted gospel, so I believe he redacted the epistles he found, and so he added his own flavor to it. Now, when he was considered a heretic and the proto-Orthodox, or like... So,
1: hold on, before this, were there, were there Pauline sects before?
0: He was very much in disfavor, and there was... He wasn't... Paul, one, if you want to get into who I think Paul was, it's a little more interesting, but I definitely follow... Um, Celsus and Yeshu and the Ebionites who thought okay here who was Paul Paul was they
1: thought he was a con- convert
0: he was a convert who wanted to marry the high priest's daughter and then because he was rejected um created his own thing that was separate now he didn't create something new because he just took the stuff that was there and repackaged it and over time so he repackaged it one then Marcion repacked it re- repackaged it and then the proto-orthodox repackaged it and then the Catholics came in and just revamped the whole thing and that's what we have in our textual tradition that starts in the fourth century um because the the first complete gospels that we have come post- Nicene um you know codex Vi- so, Vi- so do Codicanius you believe like are
1: you all right, sorry, are you Torah only too, or do you believe that like there's prophecies that there's, that a Messiah is going to come?
0: So as a secular Jew, I would put the idea of Messiah in an enlightenment uh, of the world where mankind comes to a better place and seeks peace and Tikkun Olam wants to repair the world versus a physical Messiah to establish a kingdom in Israel. Um,
1: what is the role what do you what do you think the direction Christianity and Islam and all the other religions need to take to do tikkun olam and heal the world? do, do you think it's uh no- noahide do you think noahidism is going to grow and that's the solution?
0: I mean, I don't think it's a solution. I mean it's <laughs> Noahidism is if somebody likes the ideas of Torah but doesn't want to convert, you know it's so Noahideism that's a modern term. Um, in biblical times, you have Gerto Shav, Gertsedech. Ger was for Gentiles who lived in the land. And, um, is that God fears?
1: No, is that, is that what you're saying that with that term?
0: Gertsedech, ger uh, the righteous,
1: the, righteous Gentile
0: is God fears, yes, mm-hmm.
1: God fears, right?
0: Gertsedech is what would be the God fears, mm-hmm. um.
1: It's like they had these God fears and then they had kind of the ideas of uh, Noahide laws for for the nations. But uh, I feel like it's like their prophecies foretold that all of the nations would come to the God of Israel. But they, they didn't want everybody to convert, you know, because it's like, uh, you know, the nation of priests are are different. So I feel like that's why Christianity Paul was opening up Torah messianism like to the nations. I think that's the role that he saw himself doing.
0: Now, Noahide is not does not just include Christian and Islam. It can include, include Hindus and Buddhists and any righteous Gentile. And no, Noahidism isn't a way to bring um, Gentiles to the God of Israel. It's it, it not no even a worship,
1: though. Like Paul says that you cannot consume the food sacrificed to idols. Like uh, Hinduism would not be Noahide. The, the
0: but seven that's not Noahide. No idol worship. But yeah, well. Paul isn't writing about noahidism. Noahidism is a term for something found within rabbinic literature. But he does speak ideas. against like
1: idols. He says that the, gen- the uh, gentiles gods are basically demons. It's the same idea.
0: Um I mean Paul's ideas would I would not classify Paul's ideas as the same as But oh, oh, then the Talmudic else. Uh,
1: Ebionites, Ebionites believed that and like the gnostic idea that the devil or Satan was in control of this world and so did Paul.
0: Uh, so that was a branch of the Ebionites, not all Ebionites. Oh. So, so there was, I'd say, two splits within the Ebionites. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of what you would call the core, more historic Ebionites. And then there was a Gnostic group that rose in what it seems like the 3rd or 4th century. And uh, you'll find uh, a record of their writings in the Didache Um, And that comes from the offshoot that split with the original Ebionite group and they are more Gnostic and they were also influenced by Paul and and to some degree they accepted some of Paul's ideas, but you know for the core of the Ebionites they rejected Paul as a heretic. Um, So the Gnostic, you don't see the Gnostic influence into Ebionite text or what we um, from study and research and what people looking back would call Ebionite text. We don't see that Gnostic until the you know influence really, maybe late 3rd century, but really 4th and 5th century. So you, you wouldn't go back to the 1st and 2nd century. So that was a later development within the, the Ebionite tradition. But like was, the Apocalypse
1: of James is a uh, Nagamadi Gnostic text.
0: Yeah, and those are not 1st, 2nd century. Those 2nd, But listen to century. what it says.
1: This is interesting too. The text is written in the form of a dialogue between Jesus and James the Just. It contains secret teachings and revelations given by Jesus to James. Uh, uh, these revelations often deal with esoteric and gnostic themes. So there's another idea, another example of a book, early tradition that James and Jesus had some type of like special spiritual connection. Like, yes. like maybe he, in the ascent, this, the ascent of James that Epiphanius writes about. We don't have it; it's lost. But if what, what if that was just like similar to the ascension of Isaiah and it's this cosmic ascending Jesus, like in Hebrews?
0: Well, we, we can't assume what it is without the text in front of us. Mm-hmm. But again, the, those texts, the Gnostic branch of Ebionites was a later development. Um, and you, you
1: don't think that Gnostic thought came before Christianity? Uh, I, I believe it did.
0: Um, there's a lot of things that played into the development of Christianity. All the, all of the seedbeds were there. Mm -hmm. So was there thoughts before Gnosticism was defined as Gnosticism, were there Gnostic Gnostic thoughts? Yes. You know, and again, I would still put that in the tradition that came from the Hellenistic Egyptian. And then as it came, you know, uh, Greco-Roman culture, and it kind of, you know, it was influenced by, you know, the, Platonic ideas, Pythagoras, yeah, Philo
1: blending logos with uh, Zechariah, the Joshua and Zechariah.
0: Yeah, so I mean, yeah, all of those seed beds, mm-hmm. and Paul tapped into very well a bunch of aberrant ideas. He didn't invent something; he just took a lot of ideas and he he compiled them in a way that was very appealing to the Roman elite of the time, mm-hmm. and it's why the center went because the James's group stayed in Jerusalem and then moved to Pella, but why the center of focus for what became Christianity was Rome, and it was nowhere near where I would, the Ebionites, I would not place them in Rome, but Pauline Christianity, did Paul create Christianity? No, Paul's writings, and then I would say Marcion and the Proto-Orthodox gave birth to what became Christianity. I would not say Paul created Christianity, um, I would just put him in the vein of Hellenistic Judaism in the line of Philo and Josephus. But the seedbed for what was brought together into what became Christianity was was many things. Um, yeah, it, it's like a lot
1: of people talk about the diversity of early Christianity. There was all these different competing ideas, you know, like logo, son of man, primal man, uh, primal, primal Adam, uh, wisdom, all of these different different ideas. And it, it, I think it shows that it didn't start at a centralized source and branch out, but it was like a, a diversity of a bunch of memes and competing sects that kind of had overlap. And uh, I, I think that in, like, right away in Second in John, it says that the early skeptics of Christianity, some of them even Christian, were, were calling Christianity and Jesus a, quote, cleverly devised myth. And they were saying, like, you're an antichrist if you don't believe Jesus has come in the flesh. Like, that means that gives away that, like, early Christians were denying that he had come in the flesh. Maybe they were docetists. Maybe they were, you know, ascension of Isaiahists. Maybe it started as a, uh, you know, a cosmic, spiritual, like, symbolic, Gnostic Christ type of savior. That, I, I find that the more likely explanation.
0: So, I would say that, okay, the diversity of early Christianity, one, um, yes, there is evidence for that. There was a.
1: The main point is it's weird. Sorry to interrupt. It's weird that, like, if there was a historical Jesus and he was crucified and then it led to this following, that's. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Go ahead. If he really did die, and then that led to the following, it's unlikely that like right away all these competing heretical sects okay, would yeah, pop it. up denying that he came in the flesh, right? That seems unlikely. Unless that that's how it started, seems like the more historical uh, evolution of it.
0: No, actually, so here trace history, and there are for four to five decade decades, not decades, centuries. Hundred year periods or centuries. Um, you have polemics against Ebionites, Nazarenes, some other Jewish Christian sects. The primary polemics, primary polemics of over centuries, was against these Jewish Christians. And that's by the proto Orthodox and the Catholic, meaning their primary adversaries were what we call the Jewish Christians, the Ebionites, and Nazarene. their primary. The of what be okay so, not I'm gonna talk about the two sects first. The main or the main two split. Yeah. What you know? What became Christianity? If you track over centuries, they are primarily polemically against Jewish Christians, which means they were a problem for centuries. Um, now, as location, and we trace it, you know the location historically. There was a group in Jerusalem. That group from Jerusalem went to Pella, and then it may have ended up in Antioch. So the Jewish Christians would have been situated within there. And now, actually, the different groups were very regional. The Gnostics were more in Egypt, um, the Pauline were in Rome, and then in Antioch were more Jewish Christian. Of course, the, 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 uh, um, well, actually, and there was a group of Marcion, Marcionites that rose in Antioch. And then, of course, you go back to Jerusalem. The first 12 leaders of that group were all of the circumcision. So I would say, primarily. Hold on,
1: say that again. That was in your blog. I thought, in fact, your blog said Eusebius said the first 15 of the uh, popes of Rome were of the circumcision.
0: Yeah. Yes. And I, my brain, you know, sometimes I have dyslexia and numbers get flipped yeah. in my head. So. Well, I, I just, I read that oh, from yeah. your
1: blog. I've, I've, uh, I've been thinking about it a lot. It's it's that that also makes me think that like this isn't a Roman conspiracy. If it's all for that long, it was all um, led by you know people of the circumcision. No, well, and also hold on, I just got to say, the the idea that the Romans created Christianity as a psyop to like subdue the messianic rebels. It doesn't make sense to me because it didn't really work. First of all, the, only a small remnant of Jews ever believed in in Jesus, but it did get adopted, widespread by the Romans. So I, I don't see the Romans creating a religion that would supplant their religion with the people they just conquered and like fulfill the prophecy of of the Hebrews, you know, to have their Messiah be be the king of the world. I don't think I, I think because you'd have to admit it like backfired. It it turned out like if Maimonides is saying that Christianity is like bringing the world closer to the God of Israel and away from paganism, like that—that was the the prophecies to begin with.
0: Well, one, uh, that statement is an oversimplification of a complicated century-wide process, and therefore, if you say it the way that like Caesar's Messiah says it, Mm -hmm. you're gonna fail. If you say it was a Roman psyop and they invented it completely, part and parcel, and then Josephus wrote the four gospels, I mean, That's you're what At says, yeah. yes, you're gonna totally fail completely because that is are, not are what you, I'm saying. Are you more that of is like not James what I'm saying. valiant creating no, Christ? I'm very nuanced, and uh-huh. when I say it, don't try not to look at it through those lens. Mm-hmm. Those are pre-existing works. They have some decent ideas. They're on to something, but the way that they phrase it, one is unfortunate because they're over, oversimplifying something that was a centuries-wide process. It was not, um, you know, Vespasian was not the originator of Christianity. Uh, and this is why I'm trying to track through kind of our conversation here why I would take it all the way back to Ptolemy. And, you know, it wasn't a complete invention, again, the way that the Roman, I mean, yes, in some ways, nuanced, very nuanced, uh, similar to Valiant's uh, work, but very nuanced. Um, They they would co-opt a, you know, a culture and they would change it to influence it towards Roman imperial ideas. No, I would not say that the Romans completely invented the New Testament. No, they didn't. They didn't invent the writings of Paul or the ideas of an oral tradition that became a gospel, but they did influence the textual tradition, the transmission, and through layers of redaction, you know, I could take you through the periods of redaction, they they started with a pro-Roman influence, uh, and then, you know, with, with the Marcionite layer, and, and I talked, uh, to Dr. Price about this as well, he, he agrees that, you know, with the Marcionite layer, um, it, it, it castrated itself in a lot of ways from Torah Judaism, but then the Proto-Orthodox tried to bring back in elements of Torah Judaism, and then but it was still Hellenistic Judaism. It wasn't true Torah Judaism. And then Ca- Ca- the Catholic Church, it was between the 4th and 8th century that they... There was a whole lot of governmental policies that they, um, you know, censored and destroyed text. They forced themselves to become the the ruling narrative through imperial power, um, and it wasn't invented at one point. But there are stories that were particularly historic, and germane to the. What I would I would place Christianity from the the Hellenistic Jewish mm-hmm. tradition, the Merkaba mysticism, and there were there were elements there that they co opted, blended with their myth and their traditions. But over time, they influenced the method with, or the message with, they embedded language and terminology mm-hmm. about the soul, heaven and hell, and salvation that makes people very that was not germane to what i would call torah judaism of the time but makes Mm -hmm. people very susceptible susceptible to control the idea of hell and eternal torment the soteriology of paul i would not put those within the first century judaism or even what i thought ebianites would think about that Mm -hmm. but that soteriology of hell and torment and the fear of it and so the the process of uh Confession, repentance, and salvation was something that the Roman government would do when they forced people to convert to paganism, and it predates Christianity. The conversion process of Christianity was something that they would do when they converted somebody to paganism. It, it is not the way that even if you look within the epistle of peter to james the textual tradition studying for six years circumcision it, they did not follow what became christian christianity salvation and there are records of uh the, you know the the roman tribunals where they're converting people to paganism and they follow the same process because hades and hell played big within their their idea, which, you know, they also, when Christian writers tried to co-opt the idea of Sheol and Gehenna, which is not the same as hell. It's a process of purification where somebody is able to access heaven after a period of time, where uh, inversely Christianity, they're tortured for eternity. I mean, that's a fearful thing. And Mm -hmm. if I can tell you that you're going to hell and you need a savior, Messiah was never to be a savior. The and, and national redemption which, which the idea that was co-opted and turned into Christian salvation was about national redemption not personal salvation. Mm-hmm. And so the two mes- methods messages and methods are different. Um no, Christian Yeah, they're almost like an
1: inversion. It's like an antithesis.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's mm-hmm. why I say it was it was definitely contra in what Paul did. But he was in response to it. So but it also has a lot of
1: parallels with Essene, too. Like a lot of stuff in Christianity is not original or unique to it. You find it in the Dead Sea Scrolls. A lot some, of themes.
0: Some of it, yes. Mm-hmm. But again, let me, let me ask you, yeah,
1: you'll no, like this probably. Uh, Gospel of Peter. You, you've talked to John Dominic Crossan, or if you not, I'm sure you read his books. I saw you list him on one of your uh, your bios there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he did the book, uh, The Cross That Spoke, right? Yeah. 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. and uh in that he has the theory that the gospel of peter has the passion narrative that actually predates the canonical gospels are you familiar with the, that theory
0: i mean i've heard it mm-hmm. i definitely don't subscribe because it's it. It.
1: it's interesting because it that starts with herod um crucifying jesus on a tree it says by the way too and then you know in later on or later on, if, if Crossan is right, in the canonical Gospels, it has, you know, Pilate washing his hands. But, uh, you know, it's not Herod doing it. It's still the Romans doing it. I was just wondering if you had a theory on that.
0: On Pilate, not the Romans? Wait.
1: Yeah, Gospel of Peter is very similar to the Passion narrative in uh, in the Gospels. But it has Herod killing Jesus, not the Romans. Herod's men. So it's weird. It's it's like if that was the original story and then later they added in that the Romans that did it.
0: See, I didn't you know, OK, oh. yes, we have that. But there, there's not enough there to say that's the original. I mean,
1: well, I, I was just curious if you. that's why I was asking, because I just watched a video from Cross and he makes mm-hmm. a, a couple a couple of arguments. Why? he thinks I mean, that.
0: I'm mm-hmm. familiar with the text. I'm I've mm-hmm. read the text. I know what the text says, mm-hmm. There's not enough for me to place that actually in the first century, which which I find problematic. Uh, it's definitely more of Gnostic tradition, which I see Gnosticism rising more second, third century, especially when it relates to Christian or is it not not Gnosticism in general, but Gnosticism as it becomes part of Christianity, uh, second, third century, as it influenced the Ebionites, third and fourth century. Um, so... But I have very hard time placing some of those there. There is the other diverse... thing that makes
1: me think that I learned this from nail David Fitzgerald's book. Mm-hmm. He talks about how like the uh, Jesus's trial contradicts between uh, it's probably Matthew and Luke mm-hmm. and that it gets clunky. Like they go back to Pilate and go back to the Romans and go back to the high priest. And he thinks that that's because there was an earlier version. And then there was two different versions that got combined together.
0: I mean, yes, there are definitely the traditions in the New Testament. And I mean, historically piecing together what happened is a little challenging there. because um, well, the, the, the,
1: the, the other idea is that like the Romans uh, came up with Gospel of Peter after to try to exonerate the Romans from killing Jesus.
0: Yes, yes, that yes, I have. Heard that, and I would agree with Here's
1: that. a question, too. This is a, a, another good one. So the Apostolic Creed and the Nicene Creed, they both don't say anything about the Jews killing Jesus. They blame Pontius Pilate o- only. So yes. if it was a Roman conspiracy, why would they be blaming themselves and exonerating well, the Jews in those creeds?
0: So the creeds mm-hmm. predate, and, and some of it is Catholicized a little bit, the, the creeds predate, um, the full Catholicization.
1: Mm.
0: Now I'm saying it's a process. Okay, so mm. you you can't say it was one and done, and we put it in a certain place in time. We you know we put the tack on the wall and and that's it. No, it was a process. Now how does that how does that and we got to square it with history now, okay? Yeah, we we have the Apostolic Creed and it puts it on Pontius Pilate. Then how does Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, for all of its history, early you know on and into the Middle Ages, um,
1: blame the Jews?
0: Uh, blame the Jews for deicide, which mm-hmm. they use justification in the Crusades and for various pogroms and inquisitions mm-hmm. where they're killing Jews. Um, so hold on, we're, you're going back to an uh, something that ex- echoes an original, mm-hmm. and then you're making claims about what became Christianity and Catholicism, the two are entities that developed over time so is the the apostolic creed comes from a tradition that predates them so are there echoes of something different that predated them yes but you know you have to look at this thing in centuries and then look what Mm -hmm. it became by the 8th to 12th century and When you're talking about Christianity as we experience it in pop culture and in today as something that has won the Western world and influences thought around, you know, uh, Western Europe and America, you have to look at what happened in the 8th to 12th century because the Christianity we know today uh, and then it even, you know, get into the Reformation comes out of all that now we're you're we're, we're confounding two things like christian origins and then when we say the term christianity what is it today as it influences us and how did it become that? and that we're talking centuries and not a one and done thing so mm-hmm. well, it was not even a term, one
1: and done thing today there's yeah you know a diver a lot of diversity
0: oh it, it's one of the most mm-hmm. diverse religions in the world it has mm-hmm. more sex than any other religion on the planet so mm-hmm. it's still very diverse so, But
1: th- the idea is, you know, this is what we hear, like, uh th- they say, okay, Jesus was a real person. He was crucified by the Romans. Like, that's all we know about him. That's like, you know, what Bart Ehrman and kind of the consensus view in scholarship, right? Yeah. They say Jesus was a, a Jewish apocalyptic preacher. He was baptized and crucified by the Romans.
0: Yeah, and that's all we can really, you know, yeah. take to the bank. The rest is...
1: Well, I don't even think Doing you can take that, but so then later, yeah. later on, it's the idea is that the Romans tried to like look for prophecies to blame the Jews instead. Like, how did that come in if that's not what historically happened? How did I mean, the was, Jews start being blamed? It's a process, and who did that? A... Who who was like reading the scriptures and like decide? I don't think any of it happened. I don't think Barabbas happened. I don't think, I think it's just, they saw the scriptures that he would be rejected by men mm-hmm. in Isaiah 53 and other you know, he would be cut off. A wisdom of Solomon says that we put we'll put the man uh, put him to a shameful death. So I think mm-hmm. that's where they got the idea that they would reject him. And and you know, they cite Psalms. He's the stumbling stone that becomes the cornerstone. Like all of this midrashic, like um, uh, prophetic argumentation.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I mean, I would agree with a lot of that. It happened over time. Um... They were looking for a way to tell the narrative they wanted to tell, and, um, but it was a process. They didn't do it all at once, and it, as elements came together later on, this midrashic thing where they would search for uh, Jesus in the text, ways to blame the Jews for their own destruction. I mean, blaming the victim for the victor's conquest is a wild thing to do. You know, to blame, you know, the the Jewish people for the conquest of the Roman people and the eradication of, you know, their statehood and text and tradition and trying to rewrite history. I mean, but that's what the winner does to, to any kind of history. They, the winner gets to write history and there goes the spoils of war. Um I mean, it was a process over time, and you can see it as it progresses. When you start looking at the theology of the early church fathers as it develops, you can see where, you know, binitarianism comes in, that eventually leads to modelism, that eventually leads to trinitarianism. The, trinitarianism wasn't a first century idea. Um, so all of these ideas that were co-opted, the midrashic uh, things that they co-opted from various jewish groups and they were eclectic you know catholic means universalist they were eclectic they were taking elements from this that and the other to paint the story they wanted and as time progressed they developed these ideas so when i say it was a roman psyop i mean i would really have to correct myself now because you know really a greco-roman uh because of the way that i date it and everything but it was a process over time that they took them the message and they subtle changes little pieces here and there that eventually amalgamated into the received text that you know we we don't have till the fourth to eighth century and we even have changes up to the 12th century so i mean we between you know 400 and 1200 we have an evolving tradition and then you know you have the reformation which is now like oh we need to reinvent it because they screwed it up but they never fully got rid of the faulty foundation they keep the foundation and continue to revamp and build upon that um i there's not a specific place in time that i would say they did it was just over time it was a convenient co-opting of myth and then the redaction editing changing and distribution because it was gaining popularity and as it was popular they saw an opportunity and if you have the power to you know Produce, distribute, edit, and redact. You also—they also had the power to destroy anything that competed with. Um, and so, when I talk about, it, it was a, it was the government was involved over centuries. In that's various a really spots. long,
1: continuous conspiracy with like a lot of competing dynasties and stuff.
0: Now there is a blog post where I kind of uh, talk about that. It is, and it wasn't a one and done. But I think it was part of their ongoing goals of conquest, um, which they have successfully done. Uh, the, the Roman Empire you know, took over a lot of the world. Now, of course, the Roman Empire, went, Roman Empire went into disfavor, but Catholicism keeps a lot of their influence in much of the world. And then by extension, Protestantism and, and the Reformation and even evangelicals continue a lot of those ideas, which still present idea persuasion. If, if
1: christianity uh spread across the world basically theologically conquered the world with the power of the roman empire and then today scholars are saying that jesus was a, a an anti-roman jew that was killed by the jews and the jews had nothing to do with it and that jesus uh didn't really fulfill all these prophecies where is that going to leave christianity for the future w- what is your how do you see Christianity in the future, and what do you suggest Christians do? Will it follow in your path, become, uh, convert to Judaism?
0: No, no. Um, find peace with the world as they see, you know. Um, no, definitely not. Um, you know, as we go back to saying, righteous of all people, a place in the world to come. No, you, you don't need to become a Jew. That's a personal choice and. What the, the answer for Christianity is a question Christianity has to wrestle with the with themselves. That's not well you talked
1: it... about olam. Do you think takun olam is possible while Christianity is believing in you know a, a fallen for like a Roman psyop? Doesn't uh, that doesn't that need to be ex- you know, Christianity need to be exposed before the world could ever heal?
0: No. The Christianity doesn't have to be exposed. So what is tikkun olam? Repair the world. This re- means, ref- okay, reform? Let, re- mm-hmm. Tikkun olam means, you know, to, to repair the world because, you know, with the fall of Adam, the world is broken. Uh, it's doing good deeds and kindness in the world, and people can do that without Judaism and without information from Judaism. Judaism is not required for a person to choose ethics and choose to do good and moral things in the world uh no judaism is not required for gentiles the torah observance is not required for gentiles choosing to be a noahide is not required for gentiles uh you know that's that the torah is for jews it is not for gentiles um and so no you know judaism doesn't have a goal to for the world to become noahides and and Christianity has to grapple with its own history and, you know, let's see if I can answer your question because it's definitely, you know, not a goal of mine as somebody who's left Christianity, you know, I share my experience to help those who are on a journey out on their own, whether it's to atheism, agnosticism, secularism, any other religion of their choice, you know, my goal isn't to convert people to Judaism because that's a personal life choice and it isn't for people to become Noahides. That's in no way what I seek to do. And I I don't um I you know, as far you know, as far I as Judaism, that's not a goal for it. As mm-hmm. far as Christianity, how does it come to terms with itself? Well, I mean, mm-hmm. first we gotta deal with the historical record. We have to deal with the textual record. And when it with textual, we gotta like figure out these original texts but we don't have an original text so there's no solid foundation to build anything on but you can do your best to find the most historical which scholars debate on now historical you know christianity has to deal with man there's so many layers of repenting oh uh, i would i was I'm, like no i mean there's so many layers of stuff that just is not historical and you know was government involvement, roman involvement. I mean, but became a religion, there was part of religion co-opted religion. Um just dealing with the history of I guess violence. Um you know, Constantine's Sword, you know, if uh I don't know if you read that book, but you know talking about the history of violence. So,
1: should I and I have I have not. Is that a good one?
0: It is. It's a really yeah, Constantine's Sword. You, actually, yeah, there's and um there's a documentary based off of it. I would recommend uh, it talks about the history of violence uh, in the name of the cross since Constantine and how it's shaped the world and you know, even continues to shape the world um, through the Jesuits and and those in America who advocate for, you know, war and constant wars. And stuff I was just like going to ask you about
1: that. And and I want to keep it to an hour and a half. So can I get a, a final question in for you? What sure. do you think about like the uh, evangelical Christians in America, the fundamentalists, like the ones that worship Trump, like he's the savior and they want to, they want to destroy the dome of the rock, rebuild the temple. So Jesus will come back on a cloud. What, what are your thoughts on them?
0: Uh, Stay out of uh, Jewish politics in the middle East and <laughs> don't create trouble for us, please. Um, Let's let's keep uh, Israel and choices in Israel to Jewish people, not to the financial interest of messianists who want Islam to try to destroy Israel so their Messiah can reveal himself. I would rather them not be involved in politics when it comes to Israel, but they may live their life in America as they choose. But let's not superimpose your Christian When you say views. the
1: Muslims destroy Israel so the apocalypse can come, are you referring to like Armageddon, Gog and Magog?
0: Yeah, so yeah, the evangelical idea that's shared by, you know, Messianics and others uh, that most of the Islam- Islamic nations are going to attack Israel so that their Messiah will come. And Islam has the same idea that there's going to be a fight with the Jews, that their Messiah is going to come. You know, which they think is, is Jesus.
1: They think Jesus is returning.
0: Both groups do, which is mm-hmm. interesting that they have the same Messiah in conflict with each other. But. Mm-hmm you know uh i don't subscribe to any of that kind of messianism and i see it as a danger in the world because anyone who adheres to that tends towards violent ideologies and their focus on influencing financially the support of war and stuff like that uh is towards cataclysmic wars that we do not need and is not helpful and i don't believe if you're going to ask me the age of messiah is going to be led by a military victory um Like I said before, I think it's an ideological shift towards peace that we all find a way to get along, and that's where Gan Eden is. It's not in the violent conquest of mankind.
1: All right, we can close it out there, hour and a half. Jeremiah, I'm finally glad that I got to talk to you. As soon as I saw your channel, I was like, oh, I want to talk to this guy. I almost asked you, like, I don't know, a year or so ago, whenever you started it. But uh, I'm I'm enjoying uh, hearing your insights on these things. Um, we obviously ha- have some disagreements on the uh the big picture analysis but definitely it's cool to uh pick your brain on your research on these uh similar topics so I appreciate the time and uh why don't you uh for for my audience why don't you uh plug where people can find more your work your channel your uh your blog
0: well um thank you for having me on thank mm-hmm. you for challenging me with your insights and mm-hmm. you know uh pressure test all things so I don't have you know, I, I appreciate you challenge me on ideas that we we definitely don't come to the same conclusions. In some ways, we have opposite conclusions, but it was an interesting conversation. I appreciate you know your thoroughness, asking insightful questions, and so I appreciate you. Thanks for bringing me on. And um, yeah, so um, where can people you know connect with me? Uh, the Pulling the Threads podcast is available everywhere that you listen to podcasts on YouTube. And I also have a podcast pulling the thread podcast at jesus the jew dot com, where I discuss Jesus with within Jewish tradition before and without the influences of Christianity, what it would be seen through the eyes of Jews um and for those. you see who all have- these
1: Christians online there like these Christians are in denial. They want to say Jesus wasn't Jewish. They say yes. Jesus was white. the the uh, black Hebrew israelites say jesus was black everybody wants to be the chosen people everybody wants to uh have jesus look like them it seems like
0: does seem to be the case Mm -hmm. with the popularity of christianity and its co-opting of the message of yeah it's an idea that that's quite intriguing to a lot of people but um Mm -hmm. you know they they should find what they what is good for them and relish in who they are um you know, and, and seek peace in the world and try to be good people. I, I like to look at things through historical perspective. So I uh, just try to look at things rationally and uh, present arguments in a, in a rational fashion. So but I, I do thank you for having me on. And yeah. uh, this was thanks this for was your good. work.
1: Thanks for all your interviews and your guests and your blogs. It's, uh, you know, it's been a great resource for to uh, educate myself as well and learn more. And all right yeah, that was fun
0: so make sure that you uh like and subscribe follow and share this uh, with all of your friends and remember this is available everywhere that you podcast um, whether it's Amazon Google Apple Spotify all the major uh, podcast outlets this is available as well as YouTube and you can also find us at Jesus the Jew within Judaism uh, where my blog goes into further detail than I do normally in the uh, spoken and video podcast. So uh, yeah, make sure that you um, plug in and look out for more content in the future.